may remain standing. All right, well, tonight the reading is Galatians chapter 6. If you'd like to read tonight, you're welcome to do so. Galatians chapter 6, as we are moving through the epistles here. Only 18 verses here tonight. All right, looks like four of us tonight. Girls, y'all read five verses. Guys, read four verses. Okay. Five verses. Five. Girls, read five. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in any other. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Mm. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap his flesh, shall of the flesh mm. reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Yeah, same way. Thank you, sister. <clears throat> Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution uh, for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of your Lord Jesus Christ, but whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Yes, amen. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with the, your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, Hebrews tonight. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. 
We'll begin reading in verse 22. I want to begin another message on one another and that thought that we've had, that series that we've liked to preach on here on Wednesday nights. And tonight I want to preach on a subject. It's on, it's on me, Lord. It's on me. And uh, verse 22 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. The Bible says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're going to concentrate on verse 24. It says, let us consider one another. And then in verse 25, exhorting one another. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you tonight, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that it's so true. And Lord, it's so uh, applicable for today. Lord, it's not old. It's not archaic. God, it's not out of date. Lord, it's just exactly what it ought to be. And so we pray tonight, Lord, that we'll listen, take heed. Father, that we would apply to our lives these things that we might understand and we might know. Father, teach us the things of God tonight. God, help us to be more aware of one another. God, help us to be more caring for one another as well. God, do something special within us here tonight. God, we're leaning on you. Lord, we're needing you. God, if you don't speak to us tonight, God, you don't move in our hearts tonight. God, if you don't do something, dear God, outside the ordinary, God, something that we can't do and we can't achieve, God, then we'll have nothing tonight. But God, I know, Lord, you want to do something tonight, and I pray you'll do that. Oh, I ask you, God, I beg you, God, that you'd move in this place, into your house, into your people, and God, that you'd encamp about us tonight. God, breathe and look upon us that we may walk out of here with joy. We walk out of here with the zeal of God. Walk out of the house of God, dear God, full of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You might be. It's on me, Lord. And so as I look at the scripture here tonight, I, I find three things. I find uh, that you and I tonight that are saved and born again, and he's talking to Christians. We see that there in verse 22 and verse 23. And then in verse 24 and verse 25, he, he puts within the scripture there tonight concerning one another. And that's where our focus ought to be is about one another tonight. And uh, I find tonight when you start thinking about others, you start thinking about one another, you kind of get off yourself. You kind of give yourself a rest and, and uh, you stop beating up yourself. You, you stop uh, exalting yourself. You, you stop thinking of yourself more highly than you are to think. And, and you start seeing one another. You start seeing others. You start seeing people tonight that maybe is not as fortunate as you are. Or maybe tonight, people tonight who's not as, uh, as uh, maybe in the places you've been and maybe the, 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 the very area of life that you might find yourself in. And you start thanking God that, listen, I, I, I've, I've got more than I deserve. Uh, you, you've done more to me than, than I ever even thought. And, and so tonight, uh, others ought to be the very focus and view of every Christian tonight. I, I know we get self, 
start looking into ourselves many a times. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. We start having pity parties. Uh, we, we want people to pat on us. We want people to prop us up. We want people to lift us up. We, we seem like we can't move forward unless somebody says something about us that's good, how beautiful we are, how handsome we are, how talented we are, how skillful we are, how kind we are, how generous we are. It just seems like if we don't hear those kind of words of those so-called support, uh, we just get down in the dumps. And tonight, uh, if we could just for just a moment to look at the Scripture and what Paul was saying to the Hebrew people uh, tonight concerning one another, he makes two statements that are just, uh, tonight, to me, it's just like a, it's like a, a neon sign. Uh, that's coming forth when he says, consider one another in verse 24. And in verse 25, he says, exhorting one another. And in the place in which it's speaking is, uh, is kind of uh, remarkable to me that, that he has put it within those verses there. Three things tonight I want to talk on if I can tonight with the help of the Lord. As I uh, say tonight, we need to take accountability yes. of one another. We need to take responsibility to one another, and then we need to take liability for one another. So that puts a lot of burden upon us tonight. That puts a lot of, uh, I don't want to use pressure, uh, but that puts a lot, of, a lot of burden, let's use that word, a lot of burden on us for others tonight. And I've never seen, I don't think, in this magnitude tonight of the Bible given us a, such a burden that I should have for you Amen. and that you should have for us. That, that we are not to die on ourselves and live under ourselves. We hear that all the time. But what do we do? Well, most of the time it's about us. It's about when I want to get up. It's about what I want to eat. It's about what I want to wear. It's about when I want to go. It's about what I want to do. It's about when I want to read. It's about when I want to pray. It's about what I want to give. It's about what I, I want to become. It's about what I want to achieve. It's about what I want to get. It's about what I want to give. And boy, sometimes and many times we get so wrapped up with us that we kind of forget what, what are we really doing tonight? What is it tonight that we are to be accountable to? Well, according to the Scripture, we are to be con uh, accountable to one another. We see that in verse 24. The Bible says, and let us. Now, who is us? Us are the Christians. Us are the born-again believers. Us is, is you and I tonight that are born of the blood of the Lamb of God tonight. And it says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works tonight. And so we find, what does that mean to you and I tonight? Well, to take accountability of one another. I've got an accountability to you. When I become a Christian, when you became a Christian, you have now taken on an accountability. And accountability tonight is not only what you do, but the accountability is what you do affects others. What you do has everything to do with others tonight. That there's ought to be things in our lives that we don't do because of others. And there's to be things in our lives that we do do because of others tonight. Others ought to have a very important influence and impact in our lives. 
You know, a lot of people say, I don't care what everybody else thinks. That's unchristian. That's not what God would want you to think. You ought to care what everybody thinks. Amen. Uh, you, ought, you ought to be concerned about whether you are a stumbling block or you're you a hindrance or are you one that's in the way or you one that's doing something to bring someone to the place where they need to be. Today, we, we need to consider tonight uh, that the Bible says, let us consider one another. In other words, tonight, it's my job, my job, as well as your job. We've got to take it personal tonight. It's your job, it's my job to consider you. And we have to look at it from that perspective. In verse 24, it says, let us consider one another. Let it, that's your job. Your job as a Christian tonight is to consider one another. What does that, what does that mean tonight? Well, that word consider one another means to observe. It's to observe our difficulties. And art, today we are to look around and observe one another's in way of considering their difficulties. And observe them. Uh, that, that don't mean we have to make a comment about them. It doesn't mean we have to give a commentary over them. Uh, it says to consider them. Consider the difficulties that somebody else is in tonight. That as you see in your home, you see at work, you see at church, you observe that. Uh, you are looking, you see, you perceive. You're alert, you're awake. Uh, you are about looking around, trying to find others in the difficulties in which they're in. That's what the word consider means. It means to observe the difficulties of one another. Number two, it means to observe uh, the very weaknesses of each other. To observe them. To make sure that you see them. Make sure you perceive of them. Make sure that you obtain them. That's your job. To consider one another, that is to observe their difficulties, to observe their weaknesses, but also it means to observe their troubles, their troubles. And so tonight, as the Bible says, let us consider one another. He's asking us on a personal note as a Christian tonight that we would take notice that we would begin to observe for those people that God has placed in our lives, those that have allowed to become part of our family, part of our church, part of our workforce, part of the places that we go and people we see, that we might observe, perceive, see uh, these things that are going on in their lives. That's our job, is to consider this, is to consider. Uh, we cannot say, that's not my problem. We cannot say, that's not in my lane. We can't say, well, you know what? Uh, that's not in my household. Uh, that's not my issue. You know, that's not my problem. Tonight, that's not God's people. God's people consider all of that. Yes. They consider it. And tonight, the Bible teaches us, commands us, demands us tonight, let us consider one another. Now, what, do they, what does he ask us to consider too? Well, he goes on and says this, to provoke, to provoke. Now, there's a negative tone of provoking, isn't it? When somebody's out there and they do something and you do something wrong, they say, they provoke me. You know, like somebody says something to you and you say something back and you say something back really mean and really ugly. And, and they say, well, why are you so ugly? Well, because you provoke me. That's the negative side of provoking. But this is not what this means tonight. This word provoke here means on the positive side. It means tonight, it means to arouse. So when you provoke somebody, you're arousing somebody. The Bible says to consider one another, to watch, to be lookful, 
to make sure that you would observe in their difficulties and weaknesses and, and in their troubles so that you can arouse them, so that you can provoke them. You can uh, not only arouse them, but it means to excite them. It means to call into an action. It means to stir them up. And so what God is asking us to do tonight is to go about and ministering to all the people around us by observing their difficulties, their troubles, and, and observing uh, their life so that we can stir them up, so that we can call them to action. Say, come on now, get it up. You don't have to, I know you're in a difficult situation, but you ain't got to stay there. I know that you're troubled, but it's not over. I know you, you got a weakness right here, but listen, you got some strengths too. You know, you and I getting involved in people's lives. You and I stepping out and saying, you know what, it's just not going to be me anymore, but it's going to be us. You say, well, when you do that, you get yourself in trouble. Yeah, but when you do that, you get right with God. You say, yeah, but when, I'm just going to mind my own business. Well, you're going to mind your own business being wrong with God. God said to stop minding your own business and start minding the business of people who are in trouble and difficulties and weaknesses that you may provoke them, that you may arouse them. You may call them to action. You may bring forth and say, come on, let's go. Tonight, uh, there's so many of us tonight that are down, discouraged, some of us tonight that's just tired of barely making it through, barely going on. It just seems like every time I take one step forward, two, I got to go back two steps. It just seems like life is hard. It just seems like, man, nothing ever seems to go right. It just seems like, man, that everything just seems to fall to pieces tonight. Well, where are the Christians? Where are the children of God tonight that's corralling around you? Where are the ones who say that Jesus is in them? Where are the ones tonight that are walking according to the scripture? Where are those tonight that are followers of God and lovers of Christ tonight that want to be obedient to his word that's observing, that's watching and perceiving and looking and finding someone in difficulties and weaknesses and troubles and provoking them? So that's Christianity tonight. I feel this part of Christianity is kind of forgotten because it just seems like that we're just going to mind our own business. We're going to do our own thing. And if somebody falls off the cliff, so what? If somebody falls out into the water, who cares? If somebody stops going to church, oh well. If somebody just gets back in the sin, that's their problem. If somebody just does this, that, and the other, it just seems like we shut our eyes and say, we got our own deal. We got our own problems. We got our own situations tonight. But God says, consider one another to provoke. So, well, what, don't you want to be part of a church tonight? To know, to know that whenever you find yourself in trouble, there's going to be somebody coming to you and provoking you. Oh, don't you want to be around a church tonight that when you find yourself in a weakness, that somebody's coming next to you and rubbing shoulders with you, might put their arm around you and might just hug you a little bit and love you a little bit and say, listen, I know that you're weak, but listen, together we're strong. Don't you want a church like that? Don't you want somebody like that? Well, that means that we've got to be like that. That means tonight we can't wait for somebody to be like that. You've got to be like that. You can't say, well, you know, I don't know if I can be like that. If you're saved, you can be like that. He wouldn't have gave you the command. We just find tonight that he says to provoke, to excite, to arouse, to call into action, to stir up. But to do what? 
Well, he tells us, it's my job not only to consider you, but it's my job to call you, but it's my job to carry you. The Bible says, unto love and to good works. So what's the Bible teaching tonight that we are, we are accountable for? Well, we're accountable for each other. And we're accountable that we would consider you and that we might provoke you. That means call you to action. That means to stir you up so that you will love. The Bible says provoke unto love. Love what? The word love means affection or goodwill tonight. And, and it's, it's, word, it's a word tonight that, that makes it where you say, okay, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be obedient to the Lord and I'm going to be exactly what this Bible teaches me to be. And when I find somebody in difficulties and in troubles and in weaknesses, I'm going to go to them and I'm going to provoke them and I'm going to provoke them unto love and say, hey, listen, love God. Right. Don't hate God. Don't be angry with God. Don't point fingers at God. Don't say that God did. Love God. See, provoke to love. Provoke to love not only God, but provoke to love Christ. When somebody's in this situation, say, don't you remember when he died for you on the cross? Don't you remember when he shed his blood? Don't you remember when he gave it all like that song said here tonight? And what all did you give? Love, love. And when you provoke to somebody, you're provoking them to love, to love God, to love Jesus, to love the church. Amen? Listen, when somebody's having trouble on the outside, you say, well, you know, the church, they, they have its own troubles. Uh, the church has, you know, there are a bunch of hypocrites in the church. You know, the church is this and the church is that. No! Provoke unto love. Love the church. Love His Word. Amen? Love His people. I mean, love today. And that's what we need to do as a Christian tonight is to provoke these people, these ones that are around us tonight, to love. Love your family. Love your children. And love one another. Love your enemy. Love. Love. Stop hating. And stop being so, uh, so ugly. And stop being so mean. But love. That's what we need to do is considering tonight one another provoking under love tonight that we might find within ourselves as we would encourage and arouse them up and incite them up and stir them up to love. Because there are many people in difficulties and in weaknesses and in troubles today they are having a hard time loving. Right. Is that true? Yes. And many of us tonight when we get in those situations it's because somebody did something to us we lost our job or or something, uh, something bad went, went wrong. It just seemed like that uh, when we get into those situations, it seemed like we have all that kind of people to blame. Uh, we, can, we can do that. Listen, what we are to do is to provoke to love. Love. Have affection and goodwill toward. Not, not the negative side. Not, not to say, well, you got a good reason to hate. you got a good reason to dislike. You got a good reason to point fingers. You got a good reason to, to say that that was the one. Uh, you, you're in difficulties today. And you got a good reason why you're in difficulties today. I'm telling you, friend, everybody like you that gets in difficulties, I would be bitter too. <laughs> That's not why you do it. So you provoke unto love. The Bible says not only unto love, but you provoke unto good works, unto labor. Now what is good works tonight? Well, the word good there is godly. Do you remember when, when they, whenever that 
rich man, a rich young ruler, whenever he said to Jesus about being a good man, Jesus said, there's none good but one. And who was that? God. So tonight, when you get saved, you get created in Christ Jesus in unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We find also there in, in Timothy or in Titus that, you are, that you're going to continue in good works. See, good works today is not what works are. Well, we all can do works. We can go out there and cut a grass. We can go out there and give some food. We can go out there and feed the hungry. We, we, can, we can do a lot of works today. But that's not what he's talking about. That us tonight are accountable to take those tonight, others tonight, that we would provoke them, arouse them, and call them to come into action and stir them up, that they would do good works, godly works, godly acts, godly deeds, godly efforts, that they would, that they would be, we would be so encouraging and so lifting up to them that we'd get them out of that hole. We'd get them out of that darkness. We'd get them out of that shallowness. We'd get them out of that, that the very vision they have in their mind that everything's bad, everything's wrong, everything's going bad, and that you and I would be like a light in the midst of darkness. Oh, that we would be a good word. That we might be someone who would encourage and say, come on. Let's get out here and do some good works. And so we find today in the Word of God that we got responsibility to one another. A good work, like not a selfish act. That's not a good work. Not a, an evil deed. That's not a good work. We ought not be provoking people to cuss people out. We're not be provoking, provoking people to divorce their wives or their husbands. We're not be provoking people to go hit somebody in the mouth. We're not provoking somebody to lie or steal or to be dishonest. That ought to be not, not you provoking that direction. Good works. Good works. Not evil deeds. And then not worldly efforts. Not worldly efforts, but good works. But good works that edify and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what you ought to be telling others around you tonight that would bring exaltation and bring edification unto our Lord tonight. Amen. That's what he's saying. Let us consider one another. Okay. To do what? To provoke. For what? To love and to labor. To do good works. Man, listen, you'll be a hero in your house. You'll be a hero at work. You'll be a hero in your family. You'll be a hero in your church. If you would be that individual tonight that would just say, I'm going to observe and I'm going to, I'm going to provoke and I'm going to provoke people unto love and unto good works. You'll find tonight the blessings will follow you. You'll find tonight, man, your life will be different. People will treat you different. People will look at you different. People say, man, something wrong happened to him. But, you know, for example, tonight, uh, husbands talking to husbands. Let me just give you a, just a quick example. Husband talking to husbands. A lot of times when husbands are disgruntled with their wives, they talk to husbands. And they tell them how bad their wives are. They tell them how wrong they are, tell them how bad they are, tell them how awful they are. Uh, they, tell them, they tell them who they need to improve. They tell them where, what they need to do. Uh, they, all these kind of things. So husbands telling husbands. Let me ask you a question tonight. When a husband's telling a husband how bad his wife is, does that 
in obedience to that scripture? No. No. Where is, let us consider one another provoking unto love and unto good works? That, that's, not, that's not at all scriptural. Right? right? That's right. And husbands do it all the time. Husbands at work. They all want to talk about their wives, how bad they are. Uh, husbands at uh, wherever you might go, sometimes at the church, sometimes, sometimes at the family gatherings or at the reunions, and, and even go to a marriage or you go to a, a birthday party or something. Two guys that get on the side, boy, they just start throwing darts at their wives. And that's not what Christians do. No. Number two, how about wives with wives? Mm. Wives get a hold of other wives and they just start downing their husbands. Start telling them how bad they are and how sorry they are and how pathetic they are. And, and well, I tell you, I can't stand this no much longer. I don't know how much longer I can take this. And, and, you go, and you're thinking, well, what are you provoking? Because you're saying, yeah, yeah, boy, that is bad. Boy, I tell you what, I'm glad my husband ain't like yours. Yeah, I tell you what, I wouldn't put up with that. I tell you, I'd, I'd put my foot down there. I'd draw that line right there. He wouldn't do that to me. I tell you, I, but, you know, that's, what, that's what most conversations are. Women talking to women about their husbands. Men talking to men about their wives. How about tonight Christians talking to Christians? Talking about the pastor. Talking about members. Talking about other family members. Talking about other people. Talking about this. That, that. What are we doing? We're not provoking unto love and good works. A lot of times we feel like that our opinions or our counseling services or, or the, what we think about what, in our, our interpretation of the Bible somehow makes us professional and we have the ability. And, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, I don't even have the ability to, to counsel. I, I tell you from the pulpit, man, I'm not a counselor, I'm a preacher. I, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. I, I'm not a financial uh, guy. I'm not a medical guy. Uh, it, none of those things work for me. Now, if you want to come talk to me about the Bible, then we can have something to say about those things. Right. And if those things that you're having issues with relate with the Bible, well, then I can, I can make that connection there. But I don't know anything else. I, I can't, I don't, I'm not saying I'm a counselor. I don't even like counseling. I, I don't even want to counsel. I, I don't want any of that kind. All I want to do is preach, amen, because that's what I am. But many folks go around and act like they're counselors. They go around and act like they're therapists. They act like they know how to raise. What gets my, 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 gets my goat is those who don't have children telling people how to raise children. That's crazy to me. I mean, it just don't make no sense. People who are broke, people who ain't got no money, are telling people how to, how to handle money. I mean, come on. I'm just saying, people who, who their marriages is, is on the rocks, friend, telling how somebody else had to have a marriage that's out of this world. And so uh, tonight, uh, what we got to learn, you got to understand, we are accountable to one another. To do what? The Bible says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. And then verse 25. We run from not the accountability, but we run to the responsibility. The responsibility one another. And the Lord makes this responsibility where He says in verse 25, He says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You say, well, how, how am I responsible for that? Well, you are. You are. 
And let me, let's go through it here tonight. I, for those who say that you can have church on a lake somewhere, you that say that you can have church on your front porch. Some people I heard, well, I didn't go to church today, but I had church. You know, I heard people say, well, you know, I didn't go to church today, but you know what? Uh, down at the lake or down in the deer stand or, or down there in the field or, or whatever, I read my Bible and I prayed and, and I met with God that day. And, and you know, and you take that as a church service. Well, it doesn't, doesn't fly with the Scripture. I want to show you here. It says, it says here in this one verse here, it says, assembling, assembling. So what does assembling mean today? Well, assembling, uh, it would mean that there was a, there was a collection. It, it's hard for you to assemble with you. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know you might have three or four different personalities. You know, you, you might have four or five attributes. Uh, you, you might have uh, different uh, tones and and you might got several spirits, and uh, but you know what? You only got one of you. And so there's no way that you can assemble by yourself. So you cannot have church or go to church with just you. There's assembling. But look what else it says. It says assembling of ourselves. So you say, well, you know what? I watch it online. Uh-oh. You're not going to assemble ourselves online. No, sir. So if you're online, and I know there's probably somebody watching us online, you're not going to church tonight. No. No, you're not in church. You're not going to church. Uh, that is, you are not where you ought to be, where you ought should be. Amen? The Bible says assembling of ourselves. That means you take yourself and you go and assemble. What's the next word after, after ourselves? Together. So in order for us tonight to go have church, we're going to have to assemble ourselves together. You can't do it alone. And listen, you can't do it without the other people of your church. If you think tonight you can go ahead and get your buddy and get your aunt and your uncle and your great-grandpa and uh, you're going to run over there to the garden and you're going to have church with four or five people because you're going to use that verse that says where two or three are gathered in my name, I shall be in the midst. And you want to bring that up and be become a real spiritual individual. The only problem is uh, the church that you belong to is not there. So if you're not going to assemble with the church that God has put you in tonight, then you can't assemble. No. Am I right? right? Am I just looking into this thing too much? Sometimes I have a problem with that. I kind of see things that a lot of people don't see. Anyway, that wasn't even the message. That was just something I thought of. I want you to know, number one, concerning this responsibility of one another. Here's a responsibility. You forsaking the assembling of yourselves together is discouraging to others. Let me read that again. You forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is discouraging to others. And what does the Bible tell us to do in verse 25? But exhorting one another. Not discourage one another. 
But the Bible says, for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so today we got a responsibility. We've got a responsibility tonight that we would, we would assemble ourselves together so that we wouldn't discourage who? Others. Others. Do you know coming to church tonight, is it 100% about you? No. Uh, most of the people who come to church, they, and this is their mindset, is I'm going to church tonight and I'm going to go and I'm going to hear God's word and he's going to fill my heart. I'm going to learn of him and I'm going to grow in him. I'm going to sing songs and I'm going to worship him. I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to give him honor and glory. And when I walk out of the house of God, I'm going to be different. I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to have joy. And I'm going to move on to my house and my home and, and I'm going to just love God and love Jesus. Now all those things could happen and can happen, but you're missing a big part of why you show up to night at Wednesday night mm -hmm. not to discourage others right. that's, what, that's what it says yeah. see we, we've got tonight a responsibility for one another uh -huh. that when you come to the house of God on Wednesday night one of the main reasons why you come is so that others will not be discouraged right. amen yeah. so you're uh, let me say it like this you're your little like I said, nice. Your reason for not coming is never encouraging. I can't come. I got my head cut off. It's not encouraging. I can't come. I'm in the hospital with a triple bypass. Never encouraging. I can't come. Somebody done came to my house and robbed and stole my bed and my refrigerator. And man, if I can't sleep nowhere and I ain't got nothing to eat, I can't come to church. Hey, it doesn't matter. It does not matter tonight. It does not matter your reason. It's never encouraging. Amen. There's a lot of people missing tonight. Now, if we call them up tonight and say, why did you miss? They'll give us a whole slew of reasons, right? That didn't help our discouragement. Did it help yours? No. Did it help? You ought to be discouraged tonight because these pews are not full. You ought to be discouraged tonight because the house of God is not full. For God said, I'd have my house to be full. Didn't he say that? Yes. He said, go to highways and byways and compel them to come in. That my house will be what? Full. Full. Tonight it ought to be in our hearts like, my soul, Lord, where is everybody at tonight? And they ought to know that they discouraged us. Uh -huh. Amen. Right. So the reason is never encouraging because the purpose of, one of the purposes of you coming and assembling together is to bring encouragement. Number two, I want you to notice your excuse is never helpful. Your excuse is never helpful. Whatever excuse you make that you're not here, it don't matter tonight. We can go through a thousand of them. I've been in church a lot, a lot of nights and a lot of times. I, I've been saved a long time and been preaching a long time tonight. And I, I just hear excuse after excuse after excuse. But I'll be honest with you tonight. As you tell me why you didn't show up at church, it don't help me. No. <laughs> I mean, it don't matter. It could be a real good greasy one. 
I mean, it could be true as it always has been. I mean, it could be as, as honest as you want to be. And you, it could be right. But is it helpful? No. No. You wasn't here. That's the bottom line. According to Scripture, according to Scripture, it brought a discouragement. So tonight we find I've got a responsibility. I got a responsibility that when I forsake the assembling of ourselves together, there's going to be somebody that I'm going to discourage. I don't want to discourage nobody. You say, well, I'm tired. What's that saying with buttercup? Suck it up, buttercup. There you go. There you go. Brother Keith said it. You say, man, I, uh, you know, I got a lot. I got a lot of things going on. You ain't got no more than I got going on. Well, you know what? I, I drive a long ways. Yeah, well, that ain't going to count. That ain't going to count with me. Well, you know, I wear a lot of hats. Join the club. Bottom line is tonight, whatever excuse you give, it's never helpful. Ever. Whatever reason you give, it's never encouraging. Whatever case it is, it's never joyful. I mean, every time somebody said to me, Brother Larry, I'm sick. Brother Larry, I'm this. Brother Larry, I'm that. Brother Larry, I'm this. Brother Larry, I'm that. I'm writing a book on why people don't come to church. You know what? Never one time when they all said what they said was I ever happy about it. Ever. I never said, they said, well, I didn't come to, I didn't come to church because I was sick. Hey, man, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You didn't get to come to church because something broke or something went bad or something, whatever happened, and you just couldn't come to the house of God. Amen. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> no. Now, well, you'd probably look at me like I'm a nut. Now, you probably look at me like that anyway, but you really look like I'm a nut when you tell me, hey, brother, are you texting me or are you calling me or are you or the next Sunday? or the, Hey, I didn't come because I was, yeah. <laughs> hope that happens to you again. You know what I mean? Hope you get more of that. Man, I'm telling you tonight, when you're not here and you say, brother, you're preaching to the, like the choir. I am because you are to be here. Right. Amen. I don't care if you got to jump over the moon. I don't care if you got to get, you lose an hour of work. I don't care tonight if you don't make your bed. I don't care if you don't eat supper. Right. You know how many times I don't eat supper on Wednesday nights? Mm -hmm. Let me tell me how many times? Every time. <laughs> the last time I ate was 1130. Mm. So I'm just, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying that's how you keep this, this figure that I have, you know me. I, mean? <laughs> I didn't want to reveal that diet, but it kind of slipped out. <laughs> so we find tonight, can we say that we got to take responsibility for one another? <laughs> it's not about you, man. I, I was wondering today as I was thinking about the message that y'all show up tonight and I, I just have a note right here. Sorry, I wasn't able to make it. What would happen? Everybody be happy about that? I could see everybody say, hey, man, Brother Larry ain't here. I'm telling you, man, we can get out of here quicker tonight. 
Well, it works on your behalf too when you're not here. The same thing. I'm not the main show. I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the guy who's that important. I'm just a messenger. But you're important. You're the church. Yeah. And so we find tonight, so what happens when, when I forsake the assembling and I, I bring discouragement upon the church? Well, others hurt when you forsake the assembling of ourselves together. They get hurt. It hurts. It hurts. You say, what do you mean it hurts? Well, just ask them. Just ask them. Others stumble when you forsake the assembling of ourselves together. They stumble. You stumble. Because what happens is you come to church and then you don't come to church. Then others look at you and say, well, I guess I don't have to come to church either. They don't come to church. They're a big shot at church. They don't have to come to church. They don't have to come Wednesday night. They don't have to come Sunday night. Oh, they come on Sunday morning. They don't come Sunday night. I believe in my heart tonight there's several people who don't come back on Sunday night because others don't come back on Sunday night. They stumble. People who think that you love God, they, that think that you walk with the Lord and think that you have, have, have been to a place where you are exalting the Lord in your life on Sunday morning and, and say Sunday night you, you come. Uh, and well, they got, they're thinking real highly of you. They're thinking, boy, you walk with God. You're one of the spiritual people of this church. And then you don't come to church on Wednesday night and they do. Oh, why? I've seen it all my life. These Sunday morning crickets. That's people who just come on Sunday morning. You could be a, if you don't want to be called a cricket, I call you a lily. <laughs> Sunday morning lilies. So you got Sunday morning and, and I've seen it all my life. They come and amen, praise God, give their money and and participate in all this activity and all this energy. They don't come back Sunday night. It stumbles. Wednesday night, it stumbles. I'm just human. Aren't you? So it hurts. It stumbles. I'll tell you the third thing that it does. It questions. Others question whenever you forsake the assembling of ourselves together. They begin to question. Are they saved? Do they have what I have? When I got saved, I started coming to church. When I got saved, not only did church, I go to church, but church got in me. When I got saved, I started going to church Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, every, every time, every time, every time, every time. Can I say here, and honestly, with the help of the Lord, and I'm not bragging on myself, there has been never a time since 1988 that I didn't go to church that I was not completely unable to to go. Right. One time I had pneumonia. One time I had COVID. And one time I hurt my back so bad I couldn't get out of the bathtub. I feel like a walrus in that house over there. Any other times? I'm telling you. This is a long time. There's never a time I sit at home and church was going on. Now I'm not, I'm not the standard and I'm not, I'm not the, the mark that you try to reach. I'm just saying tonight, when folks forsake the assembling of themselves together, it brings hurt, it brings stumbling, but it brings questions. Questions. Sometimes it brings confusion into people's lives. I thought, it's amazing. How come they, 
You start asking questions. We find tonight, number two, you're the responsible that we have for one another is you forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is discouraging others, but you not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is encouraging to others. So when you don't forsake and you come, it, it brings an it brings a encouragement. The Bible says in the way of exhorting one another, that word exhorting means that uh, your present brings a strengthening to others. So when you come tonight, like when I see your face, when I see you walk in, whenever I see Cicerita and Robert will come in late, right? Right? We, we, we start the same time on Wednesdays every, every, every Wednesday, right? Okay. All right. But anyway, uh, when I seen them come in, my heart started like, man, I got some strength. I probably could have jumped over the pulpit. I mean, when I seen them come in. When I, when, I, when I came out here and I seen y'all, now I'll be honest with you, when I come out here sometimes, I see very little people. I get very little strength. But as you start coming, you start coming in, I mean, I, I start getting stronger. It ought to be for you tonight that when people come to the house of God, we got a responsibility that when they do come, it gives me strength. Yeah. It makes me stronger as a Christian. It makes me stronger to fight the devil. It makes me stronger to say no to sin. It makes me stronger to read my Bible and pray. It makes me stronger to know that there's other men and women who love God and I'm a mix of them. Strength. I'll tell you something else that it does. And the word exhorting means strength, but the word exhorting means comfort. Whenever you're here, it brings a comfort to others. To know, you know what? They're fighting the same battle I'm fighting. Man, we're in, the same, we're in the same church with the same troubles, with the same problems, with everything going on, and they're here, I'm here. Man, that comforts my heart. Sure. To know that I'm in the battle and I got soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ along with me. Amen. That, man, they're fighting, we're fighting, we're in the trenches. Right. They're at the house of God. They're tired, I'm tired, I'm hungry, they're hungry. But, man, it, it comforts me. It brings that comfort. That word is paraliki. It's the same word as we get the word Holy Ghost. It's the same word as exhorting. So we find tonight there's a comfort about when you show up. It brings comfort to all of us. Number three, not only does it bring strength and comfort, but I noticed tonight that that word there, exhorting, means it brings an instructing. It instructs. Because when you come to the house of God, you're instructing everyone else to come to the house of God. What you're saying to all of us is this church, this Bible, this Jesus, this God is so important to me that I'm going to come on a Wednesday night and I'm instructing everybody else to do the same. Amen. That's what happens when you show up here. You bring strength, comfort, and instruction. That's what that word exhort means. And tonight we've got to come to the place where we're responsible for one another. I'm responsible for you. Not only do I come because I'm called to pastor, and God's given me the gift to be a, the pastor here, uh, but I come because of you. And I just, and there's nothing wrong with you saying, the reason I come, Brother Larry, is because of you. It ain't nothing wrong with saying to, to the one next to you saying, I come because of you. 
There's nothing wrong with that tonight to say to your family, the reason why we go to church is because of you. That's right. That's right tonight. Responsibility. Listen, whenever you come to church and whenever you forsake not the assembling of thyself together, you'll find others will grow. Others will grow in their Christianity because you showed up. You don't have to say nothing to them. They just grow. You know why? Because the very atmosphere and the very, the very impact and the very influence that you're making for them is bringing comfort to them. It's bringing strength to them. It's bringing instruction to them. And anybody in that place, they get help. Amen. They grow. Okay. They grow. So when you're not here, <laughs> all that's out. But when you are here, you're causing others around you to grow. So, what a responsibility. You say, brother, that's your job to get people to grow. Well, no, it's our job. That's right. It's our job. I'll tell you something else. Not others grow when you are faithful to the church, but others are excited when you come to the house of God. Is that true? Right. I mean, when I saw you today, you were excited. I hope when you saw me, you was excited. When you saw everybody else, you was excited. I mean, hey, we're going to have church tonight. Hey, we're going to sing some songs about Jesus and we're going to hear some word of God and we're going to pray and we're going to lift up the Lord tonight and we're going to come together like one and we're going to exalt the Lord and magnify God tonight. Hey, I'm in the right place doing the right thing and boy, I'm excited about it. Amen. Right? I don't know if that's true with everybody in here, but that's true with me. Amen. I'm just saying when you show up, Others are excited. But then thirdly, when you show up, happy. Happy. And, and so we, we just know that happiness, I know, is a short period of time. But it sure is sweet. Whenever you're faithful to the house of God, you make us happy. Uh -huh. Amen. I mean, we can be happy because you're here. You say, well, you know, we always talk about happiness. You've got to talk about joy and all that. Well, get off all that. Let's just talk about what happens in happiness. Happiness is a short period of time, right? right. Like the other day, the other day, uh, I, I came home, and I could tell my wife didn't like me. I could, you could just tell, right, guys? Sure. I mean, it's just evident. I mean, you know, not, 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 I'm going to tell you how I found, how I know that, but it's just by her behaviors, her actions, her words, and it's everything like that. Well, that was like a Monday, uh, and then when Thursday came by, uh, she came over to me. She said, she said I like you today. <laughs> I said, hallelujah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you like me today. I mean, I know the other day you didn't like me. No, I didn't like you the other day. And I, didn't, I just got home from work. I didn't, say one, I didn't say one word. I didn't do nothing wrong. I mean, it was absolutely innocent in every way and every thought. I mean, all, I mean, completely innocent in this whole matter. And I didn't do anything different on Thursday, but she liked me Thursday. She was happy Thursday. It's okay to be happy. But remember, it don't last long. Right? Because there's going to come another Monday in my marriage. And if you're married, there's going to be a Monday in your marriage too. So we find tonight, when you come to church, when you're faithful to the Lord, you'll find that there is a happiness, an excitement, a growth. So we've got to be responsible, man. Does, it, does this kind of put a burden upon us? 
That it's just not coming to the house of God to get for you, which you ought to come for that too, or just to give to Him. But there's others around you that need you. A responsibility. We find here tonight that uh, the Bible shows of an importance here that God placed on gathering or assembling together of His church. The word is used one more other time. One other time it's used, and let's turn there if you don't mind, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look in verse 1. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. Now what do you might think that they're talking about right there? They're talking about the rapture. Okay? That's what he's talking about, gathering together. We know he's talking about the rapture because in chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, We then which are alive shall remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so we know that the second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 is talking about the rapture. Because then he starts talking about the Antichrist and the periods of tribulation that's taking place, the temple that's going to be built, and all of those other things, the, uh, the iniquity uh, that goes forth, the wicked is revealed. Uh, and so we find tonight that that's the rapture. And so tonight, if the word in Hebrews chapter 10 is equal to the words in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and one of them is gathering, assembling yourself and gathering yourself on earth... And the other one is gathering yourselves in the air. Which one of these are more important, less important, uh, that has more value? Meeting together on earth or meeting together in the air? Well, I know that probably a lot of people, the majority of people say, Meeting in that air. <laughs> but here's the problem. If you can't meet on earth, don't think you're going to meet in the air. You can't skip one and get the other. You, that, that don't work that way. It, both of them are equally important. Now, I would think tonight to forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the air. Let's just go through this and I'll close tonight. I would think to forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the air. And we get in the air. And some of you not there, I'm not there. That would be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? Would y'all agree with that? If we get in the air and some of us are not there, it would be devastating. Is that true? Number three, I notice if... We get in the air and this assembling together is, is all coming together, ourselves together. It would be breathtaking if you're not there. It would be mind-blowing. Am I right? I'm trying to use words that are on, like words that we don't hardly use that seems to be a place of like, wow. But when we come on earth and we're to assemble ourselves together, and we're not together because some people didn't come. It's never devastating. But in the air, it's devastating. 
It's never breathtaking. It's never mind-blowing. It's, it's never like devastating and heartbreaking, right? I mean, we come to church and, and some people come, some people don't come. We just move on, move through and do our thing. But how come in the heaven or in the air it's such a dramatic like wow, but here on earth it's no wow. In heaven, would you miss that assembly? You said, I ain't missing that assembly. Then why don't we have the same attitude missing this assembly? What's wrong? God uses the same words, which means the same meaning, which has the same emphasis, which has the same importance. He hasn't changed. Then why wouldn't we be the same forsaken assembly and ourselves together on earth and it don't affect others? When you don't come to church, it don't affect nobody? You say, well, you know, I had a good excuse. Well, we heard about them. I had a good reason. Do you? Do you really? If we put this together, do we really? Do we? Lastly is the liability of one another. The word liability means is something a person owes. And we got to come to the place in our lives that we got to owe people around us. What do we owe them? Well, the exhorting I owe to one another. That word exhorting there in that Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, exhort one another. It means to invite, to invoke, and also to entreat. That's my liability. I owe you that. I owe you that. That when I come, I invoke you and entreat you. Number two, by not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, that I'm being devoted. That when I'm here, you know that I'm devoted. And when I'm here, you know that I'm disciplined. And when you know when I'm here, that I am determined and I'm different. Because it says, as the manner of some is. Because there's others who don't do that. But they're not different. But when I'm here, I'm different. Number three, seeing the day approaching so much the more. That word, the day approaching, is talking about the rapture. And the Lord is saying that we need to recognize the rapture's coming. The appearance of the rapture's coming quickly. What is that going to mean for us, though? Well, attending church more and not less. That's what it says. More, not less. So it ought to be for a child of God that this day right now that I have this year made more church services than I did already last year. Because that's what the Bible teaches. As I see the day approaching, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go more, more, more. Why am I going to do more? Oh, because there's going to be others there that I have a responsibility for and accountability for. And I'm liable. Boy, the scripture here. It really works. So I say to you tonight, it's more. More preaching. More services. More Bible. More singing. No, it's not less church. No, it's not less Bible. No, it's not less days. No, it's not less hours and less worship. It's more. 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 I'm responsible. I'm accountable. I'm liable. 
That's if, if you're in verse 22, that's if you're drawing near to God. I don't have time to preach it tonight. And if you're living near to God in verse 23. If those two things are part of your life tonight, then you feel exactly as Paul felt to the people of Hebrews. I'm drawing nigh, I'm drawing near to God, and I'm living near to God. Those two things, verse 22 and verse 23, you're going to find yourself responsible, accountable, and liable. Help us tonight, church. Help us tonight. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Oh, God's Word, so good. Give me more. Give me more. God, help tonight. Anybody need to come tonight to the altar and just do some business with the Lord? Maybe, maybe church attendance haven't been really that, in your mind, it wasn't that big of a deal. But you might need to ask God to forgive you. Maybe tonight you might ask the Lord to help you tonight be more serious about coming to church. You say, well, how do I do that, Brother Larry? Well, Saturday. Saturday, you're getting ready for Sunday. No, you don't go to bed at 12, 1, 2 o'clock on Saturday night. You go to bed early so you can get up early. Yeah, you get all your clothes ready. You get all your Bible ready. You get all your kids ready. You get everything all lined out Saturday so Sunday won't have no hiccups. Saturday, I'm thinking about Sunday on the way of food. Maybe do a crock pot. Maybe do something in the way of not getting in the way of coming to church on Sunday. Being free from all the anxieties and all the troubles that coming to church on Sunday brings. Saturday is the day. I'm just saying, this is how coming to church on Sunday is very, very useful and profitable. Because Saturday was the preparation day. How about you tonight? Anybody? Just need to come. We'll, we'll just take time to pray. All right. Well, let's, let's take some uh, prayer requests tonight. You may be seated and, and uh, we'll take some and then. Storm which drives us nearer. 
blessed be the tempest, kind the storm which drives us nearer home. Soon shall our doubts and fears all yield to thy control. Thy tender mercy shall elude the midnight of the soul. Thy tender mercy shall elude the midnight of the soul. Teach us in every state to Joys of sense depart to live by faith.